Hello and welcome to this episode of Teachers Talk Tech, an edtech podcast by Cambridge University Press and Assessment for language teachers by language teachers on using technology inside and outside of the classroom. My name is Hayo, and today my guests are Judith Kormos from Lancaster University and Hisham Asahbini from Cambridge University Press and Assessment. Judith and Hisham, nice to talk to you. Nice to talk to you, Hisham and Hayo. Hi, everybody. So today we have a really, really interesting uh, topic. We're going to be talking about digital inclusion. Now, if you're anything like me, that might be a term that's a little bit new to you. So I'm going to start with you, Judith. What exactly is digital inclusion? Right. So according to the definition of the Institute of Museum and Library Services, who first uh, defined digital inclusion, is the ability of individuals and groups to access and use information in communication technologies. So I would really highlight the the access and use, which is very important uh, in education, that uh, people with diverse skills and abilities have access and can use and make the best use of the technology for their own purposes. I have a a follow-up question here because we've talked about access and the United States Digital Equity Act, I think of 2021, uh, defines digital inclusion as activities necessary to ensure that individuals have full access to and use of affordable information and communication technologies, including reliable broadband internet services, etc. But isn't it about a lot more than just access to technology? Yes, so I was just going to say that um, that digital inclusion has five key components. So the first one is what we have been discussing is the reliable broadband internet service. Obviously, that's a pre-condition. And unfortunately, we have parts of the world where this still is not available. And also, you know, availability depends on socioeconomic status and for so rural and urban areas, uh, there's a divide there. But there are some other components that are really important from an education perspective. First of all, that the devices and apps meet the needs of the users. So, and again, we are talking about diverse populations, uh, diversity from many perspectives. Then access to training on digital literacy, both for the students as well as the teachers. Because, you know, one thing is that you can access the technology and it meets your needs, but then you have to know how to use that technology. Then sometimes you also need technical support for that technology. So that's also part of digital inclusion. And then finally, and very importantly, again, from the perspective of education, is that this online content and the applications and software are designed so that uh, people and students can be self-sufficient in use seeing that technology, they can collaborate uh, easily without any barriers and they can participate, obviously. So that's that's a lot more to, to digital inclusion than, than simply the, the technical, uh, the hardware side of, side of things. Um, so I think it's really important to be aware of that. Yes, indeed. And just staying with you, Judith, for a moment, because the area of digital inclusion, of course, also ties in with some related areas, including supporting learners with specific learning difficulties and more broadly, perhaps accommodating learners with a range of different levels of you know, neurodiversity, et cetera. So can you say a little bit more about that? 
Yes. So the neurodiverse um, students or users, and it can in, uh, include a variety of groups of students, students who have reading difficulties, students who have more general learning difficulties, um, students with ADHD, attention deficit uh, issues, or, or students who oh, uh, perhaps have uh, autism. Um, so they have additional needs. And here, we really have to be careful to provide clearly organized content, both in terms of the how the app works, the description of the software, but also when you use it for, for instruction, then reduced visual distractions. And, and I know there was a podcast where we, you talked about digital well-being and digital distractions. So that's even more important for the you know, diverse uh, students um, than our usual user population. Multimodal access. I mean, a lot of our tools and software are multimodal by definition, but sometimes it still happens that you only have written instructions or you only have a video, for example, and no, no written instruction. And some people prefer reading instead of watching and so on. Then the, the reduced amount of information that is conveyed at one step at a time. So when you're using a new app or digital tool, if all the instruction comes in one go, then students with uh, ADHD, attention deficit issues, might get lost. They might not follow the instructions and they can't do the task. Then uh, it's also important to simplify the instructions that we give to students when they use digital technology. And we might even think about fine-grained cursor movements for students who have what we call dyspraxia, so they have who have fine motor coordination issues. And then if we you know, think about the broader aspects of digital inclusion, then digital literacy training also needs to take into account the reading difficulties, for example, or issues with attention span or, or processing speed. So th- there's a lot of things that you've mentioned that uh, I would imagine would benefit all learners, not just those with specific learning needs, for example. Uh, And we'll come back to that uh, particular point. But Hisham, you and your team work with teachers and learners from all around the world. And I'm just curious how you and a publishing team like yours, how you try and sort of accommodate these ideas in your materials development. Uh, Over the past two years, we developed a range of frameworks that helped us kind of identify the key challenges. And I think the independent concept here is being able to identify these challenges and these barriers clearly, uh, being closer to learners in the classroom, being closer to teachers. We, we launched um, a number of initiatives, particularly supporting every teacher. And then in that sense, our main objective was to help that transition and to help uh, the new skills being um, uh, made available to teachers. You mentioned several uh, frameworks, and I think those will be very helpful for our listeners, and we'll make sure to include some links to those in the uh, the show notes. Uh, but let's let's get practical. Judith, I'm going to start with you. You know, if I'm an individual teacher listening to this podcast, and I think, yeah, this sounds this sounds like a good idea. <laughs> how, how do I go go about this? Well, what does it look like in practice? 
As a teacher, you would start with identifying the barriers to participation and understanding the needs of your students. So first of all, uh, I think teachers might have, you know, might distribute a short questionnaire or might interview students or might just, you know, use their intuitive observation skills on how students interact with technology. What are the barriers that prevent students from exploiting the technology and then making changes to their teaching, right? So that's always the first step in, in inclusive education, identifying and trying to remove the barriers. In general, you know, accessibility and universal design principles that we might talk about uh, later are teaching methods or teaching principles that are beneficial for everyone, not just students with uh, specific learning difficulties. And I think there are various levels we can support our students, uh, this aspect of digital inclusion. First of all, there is assistive technologies that many of us use already, but they can be more important for students with diverse needs, such as text-to-speech or speech-to-text technology. Uh, maybe if you don't have reading difficulties, you don't use this option, but offering the option, trying it out, seeing how it works for the students, maybe giving training in assistive technologies, because uh, the, sometimes we assume that uh, students are technologically literate, uh, have good digital literacy skills, but they don't use sometimes their skills for these assistive technologies. Uh, a number of also learning applications built into commercial products, such as vocabulary learning applications, but there are also, you know, free internet-based apps uh, that can support students in areas of language learning where they have challenges. So, for example, memorizing vocabulary is often quite challenging for dyslexic students. They can use the additional opportunities that digital tools offer with their feedback and practice mechanisms. Same for, for example, grammar practice. Some students, uh, neurodiverse students, need more opportunities for practicing to automatize that grammatical knowledge. Again, that's very easily done through internet tools. Also, you know, now with the new artificial intelligence-based tools, students can practice their productive skills as well digitally, writing, getting feedback through these automated, completely free artificial intelligence-based tools. Even speaking is now to some extent possible uh, to some of these online applications, improving your pronunciation. Then, of, of course, you immerse yourself and, and you try to get as much input as possible through perhaps reading or multimodal listening and reading. And now with digital technologies, a lot of the, the text comprehension happens multimodally, which is very beneficial for students with specific learning difficulties. Hisham, can you give us some examples of how, especially in the, the new and upcoming uh, resources that you and your team work on, how you try to incorporate ideas of digital inclusion? What does that look like? Absolutely. Um, I, think, I think the core principle comes from the design of these tools. And obviously, um, when we're designing, when we're starting with a, with a test exam, for example, when we're doing assessments or a learning material or a learning piece, it starts with a design of this uh, piece of assessment or learning. And we, we kind of developed uh, over the years the concept of um, impact by design as the core principle for, for, for the work that basically we always undertaken. And that technically refers not only to measuring how, you know, it, we can incorporate all these different standards and pillars, but also how we can incorporate, uh, how we can measure and monitor the impact on our learners at the other end. 
but at the same time also taking into account the impact on teachers and the ease of use for the teachers and how how the materials are user-friendly and how they can be incorporated um, into their own teaching patterns. Judith, we've alluded to this earlier, but uh, I'd like to talk a little bit more about the ways in which considering aspects of digital inclusion can benefit all learners. And I know that you've Uh, written a really interesting position paper uh, on this topic. And again, we'll put a, a link to that in the, the show notes. But can you just tell us a little bit more about that? The universal design principles have three main categories. The first one is providing options for perception. This is what also Hishan has talked about. Um, you know, we can change the layout, we can change the modality, multi switch from multimodal to, to single modality, choice of modality, how students have access to the information that they need for learning. Then the other important principle is, right, our students don't just get input, right? They, they engage with the, with the materials, they practice, they produce, they, they are assessed. And here also we need to uh, provide them with options, how they engage in production, uh, how they are assessed, and keeping the same assessment construct, for example, in mind, we can still give them options, how they want to do certain tasks and perhaps in what format they want to to do the task, what kind of scaffolding or support we give them in the assessment task, but also during practice and production. And then finally, the third general principle of universal design is concerned with supporting students' self-regulation, so allowing students to become autonomous learners, but also engaging their interests and, again, giving them options as much as possible into what topics they will engage with, what is what it is that, uh, that they find interesting, and then also supporting that they sustain their motivation. And we know, for example, for language learning, we need continued and sustained motivation. So these are the three main principles of universal design that benefit everyone, particularly those who have uh, learning difficulties or challenges. Isham, do these universal design principles at all influence uh, the design of the materials that you create? Oh, absolutely, at the heart of it. And in fact, our accessibility statement that was launched this year particularly received the gold rating by Aspire, Aspire, which is the um, Accessible Statements Promoting Improved Reading Experience Project. Um, and the heart of this statement is really the universal design. If we are focusing on one or two platforms, we've got now Cambridge Core, which is uh, the home of our academic publishing in general. So all our academic publications are made to fit that kind of framework in terms of universal design. Uh, Cambridge Advance Online, which is also another flexible online platform that's developed by uh, the University of Cambridge Academics. Not to forget as well, Cambridge One. So all these three platforms are mainly built around uh, the universal design. Judith, I'm, I'm just imagining some teachers listening to us and saying, well, this, this all sounds really good uh, and I'd like to learn more. I'd like to develop my skills. Where, where can I start? Uh, you can enroll in uh, one of our Future Learn courses that we provide on dyslexia and uh, language teaching, which is completely free. And then there are mentors who guide the teachers through this for four weeks. We have also tasks and, and lectures uh, dedicated to technology uh, use and, and elements of digital inclusion for students with specific learning difficulties. Then we also have a digital task 
task bank that we have developed uh, as part of an European Union project for dyslexic primary school teachers, completely free to use. And it's not only in English, but if there are any German teachers listening, we also have materials for younger learners of of German. And that uh, digital task bank also comes with a self-study, completely freely accessible self-study and interactive self-study materials. So that's also where you can start. Uh, Our um, new book, Teaching Languages to Students with Specific Learning Difficulties, will come out um, soon. I mean, we have resources on the Cambridge University website. There there is a research guidelines. There is also a position paper. I've written blogs also during the pandemic on how we can support students uh, accessing technology. Very helpful. Thank you. And just finally, to wrap up the conversation, any words of wisdom you'd like to pass on to our listeners? I think for me, I always start with um, um, or with a statement that basically all teachers should improve, not because they're not good enough, but because there's always room for improvement, because there are always new features and new things that basically need to be um, incorporated. Um, um, uh, and obviously, um, let's, let's look more openly to um, uh, learning difficulties and as teachers, and let's just basically... Um, uh, try to explore the potentials of what these learners can do and what we can do for them as well. Well, I, I, my maybe my general final wisdom is that you know inclusive teaching is generally just almost the same as effective teaching, and and I think a lot of the teachers sometimes uh, lack the self confidence in uh, working with students with specific learning difficulties. But I would say that they should trust their ex- intuition and expertise that they have gathered over the years. And because I think you can do a lot already with introducing smaller changes in your teaching and making sure that, that your materials are inclusive. Um, so that's, that's my, my word of wisdom. Judith and Hisham, thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you very much for inviting us. Thank you for listening and check out the other conversations of the Teachers Talk Tech podcast by Cambridge University Press and Assessment.